I'm gonna trick former guest Ben into making us theme song. That's it. Okay. Better, closer, warmer. Uh, all modern art is communistic. I want to be the first man to nut in space. Fuck you. Fuck off. Where are we finding it? Why can't we Better, find it? Closer, Why do you guys warmer. keep saying all this change? We're playing Fortnite. Let's have fun. We need to get to that post-World War II mentality where Better, closer, no one in the warmer. world is going to Twitch and typing in climate first. Don't tweet us about how our stuff's inaccurate. At this point, I don't think the N-word tape would change anything. The piss tape might. From New Orleans to New York. It's the Alienos Podcast, baby. Dude, that was TNT. Welcome back to the Lineals Podcast. I'm Smith. Wah, 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 wah. I'm Seth. We are currently down uh, uh, Marcus. He is, We're down uh, one Alineal, the voice that makes you moist. Well, you're going to be dry tonight. I like I'm how gonna say that. even though he's not here, you still had to get his horrifying catchphrase in. I had to. What? Horrifying? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's one of the most beloved parts of the show. You think so? I think so. I think if you did a poll of our fans, they would overwhelmingly say they love the voice that makes you moist. Do they love Marcus or do they love the catchphrase? Hey, that's that's not up for me to decide. <laughs> Let the people decide. Exactly. Um, I love Marcus. I love Marcus too. He's great. Uh, yeah. So without Marcus here, you're back to Millennials Classic. Uh, yeah. Just the two of us. And Seth, the first thing I want to talk to you about tonight is friend of the show, Jeff Bezos, and his desire to leave planet Earth. Yes. He wants to take on the valiant effort of creating a thousand Mozarts. And a thousand Einsteins. A thousand Einsteins, yes. And it's like, people, he just, like, does he not realize or or has he ever seen that Einstein was a socialist? Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Jeff Bezos, uh, he keeps talking about how the future of humanity is to take to space and, you know, leave Earth. Uh, Not because, you know, we've polluted it down to its core and it's done, just because of normal... uh, natural reasons just because we should we should get out there and see what's happening and his whole idea is oh well if we if we're able to establish life on you know hundreds of planets we can have a thousand einsteins and a thousand mozarts and you know every great person who've ever lived will have hundreds and thousands of them and there'll be so much you know intellect and art art being made that's gonna you know change humanity and he's He's already starting from a flawed premise because his belief is it will run out of energy on Earth, which, incorrect, sir. Like, we have solar, we've got wind, we've got nuclear. Fission power alone could do us a thousand years. If we figure out fusion power, we would never run out of energy. So that's that's dumb. We're we're not running out of energy on Earth. What he means is fossil fuels. Yes. Because we're too lazy to actually invest in anything else that's going to you know, make life better. Exactly. And he says we need to focus on efficiency and we need to spread out into the solar system because we'll have unlimited resources. Now, this part is actually true, but does, I mean, but does he not understand that the system that would put him in space is the same system that would deny us access to all those resources? 
that and also like what is this because like the whole like like you said the whole reason he wants us to leave is because we're running out of fossil fuels but whenever we try to establish life on let's just start with mars what's gonna be our what's gonna be our fossil fuel there you know like what are we gonna what are we gonna use there and then whenever we spread to another planet it's gonna have totally different resources what are we gonna use there I mean, what I don't understand, like, what's every planet will have to use a different, you know, energy source, and when we could just use the shit we have here. Yeah, you can't really escape the, the the problem of energy has to come from somewhere, and we already have clean sources of it. We just refuse to invest in it, like you said. So going to Mars or the Moon or whatever doesn't solve that problem. Yeah, and it's something that only people who have as much money as Jeff Bezos could afford to do. Yeah, and he's worried Unless about... Unless these philanthropic billionaires actually fucking are like, oh, well, we're all moving to space. Here, everyone, free passage above the space shuttles. And by free, we mean you sign a lifelong contract to work for us forever. Yeah, and... I mean, he wants to have a trillion human beings in the solar system, which, okay, fine, whatever, but is that really the concern we should be having right now? Yeah, we've got more pressing issues to get through. Like, I'm not an overpopulation guy, but uh, it seems like getting more people is not the is not our current problem in most, in most uh, areas. Our problem is supplying the people we have when we have a, a class of parasites taking up most of the resources. Exactly. And that's a problem that guys like him and Elon Musk and all these guys don't actually want to address. So what they do is they make these cool big promises of, oh, we're gonna, you're going to get to go to space, and it's going to be cool, and you're going to get to live there, and you get to start anew, and your life's going to be different, and your life's going to be better. Whereas... They could use their resources to fix life on Earth and make everyone have, you know, a more livable circumstance. And they could, even with that, they could still be filthy fucking rich, but they don't want to even lose a single dollar. Yeah, pretty much. And then you've got Jeff Bezos out here, his company, Amazon. You see they're going to be, their plan is to roll out a machine that can pack orders and replace jobs. Literally, or just replace people. And it's like... What do they think the end the end goal here is? Like what 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 is the what does the end of automation look like? What world is that? Exactly. The o- the only feasible way for auto- for the like automation to reach its true apex and for people to actually be able to stay alive is socialism. Yeah, it's like it's like Keynes thought by now that we would be working, you know, 10-hour weeks. And all Americans will be, like, rolling in the benefits of automation, and it'll be great. And no, that's not what happened, because of course it wasn't what was going to happen. Yeah, benefit, I mean, benefit. Um, automation has always been a tool for the upper class to just take more and more jobs and more and more resources away from the lower class. And the question that I have, then, is what do they think... I mean, how do they think that people are going to be able to continue to afford things and keep the economy running if we don't have money to buy things with? Yeah, that's one thing. I mean, ever since, like, ever since I've 
you know, gravitated over to the left, uh, that's one thing I've wondered as I see, you know, one of the big things you see is people, you know, automation coming and taking jobs. And one thing I've always wondered is once this gets big enough, what is your plan? Because eventually, if, you know, if you automate all these Amazon jobs, all these warehouse jobs, who's going to be able to buy these things? Who, who's going to be able to, like, if you, if you get rid of all these fast food and Walmart employees, who's going to be able to shop at Walmart anymore? Like, who, like where is all this money going to come from for them? Where is all the money that's paying for these machines actually going to start and end? Yeah, it's like, even, it, even folks that are working, I saw a, a chart the other day of the median income for millennials uh, across the U.S., um, now the our we be, I live in Georgia. You're in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and our states have the same median income. You know what it is? What less than twenty thousand? It is right on the money of twenty thousand dollars. Wow, that is the median income for a millennial in, in, in Georgia um, and North Carolina. It's a little bit lower in South Carolina, and in fact, if I'm reading this chart correctly. Um, I mean, very few states have a, have a lower median income for, for uh, millennials than us. Um, but here's an astonishing fact as well for you. Uh, from the same thread of tweets, I should, I'll call out the guy who did it. He's, he's pretty cool. Um, it says right here, here's the hours needed at minimum wage to afford a one-bedroom unit in each state in, in America. Now, what do you think Georgia's is at? Uh, the to afford a uh, one bedroom apartment on minimum wage. Oh, how many hours do you have to work? Yeah, I don't know, eighty. Close seventy two. Wow, which is, if I recall correctly, more than the uh, forty hour work week we're supposed to have. Yeah. Um, in North Carolina, it's sixty six. God damn. In California, it's ninety two, which is just crazy. California's. I mean, I mean, I just don't understand any, how anybody affords property there. But in Hawaii, it's 125. Yeah, Hawaii is a very expensive place to live. But like, here's the thing: I'm looking at this chart, and the lowest, the the, the state that requires the least amount of hours to uh, afford a minimum a, a apartment, a one bedroom unit, is South Dakota, at 49 hours. Which is still more hours than the forty-hour working week. Mm-hmm. And so, even when you have people working, what's the solution? Like, how do we do this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if like the I mean, even like like even if you have people who are working to the bone and aren't able to afford stuff anymore, they're going to be living in fucking shanty towns all over again. And once again, they're not going to be able to afford all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, who's going to be able to get stuff shipped to their house? People might not even have a house to ship shit to from Amazon. So what is this packing robot going to do for you? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's like... So when we have jobs, we still can't afford to get anything... And they're gonna take those jobs away and put us even further down the hole. What is that like? Where like what do they think is going to be the outcome? Like what what does the end look like for this? Like how, yeah, how does it, a, how does it keep going? Yeah, that's a question. I think I think we honestly asked that question near the first episode of this show, and I mean I I don't know how to get an answer for it because I don't know. I mean obviously I don't know anybody who has that much power and money who thinks about this. But I mean I don't, I don't know if they have an answer. Like I don't know. If they even think about it. 
Yeah, and it's just like, I mean, they don't. It's obvious they don't have a plan. There is no plan. It's like it's like the fucking like Battlestar Galactica. They have a plan. No, they didn't. Yes, it's very much like that. And so, okay, so I saw this thing that I, for some reason, did not decide to uh, log in to our little Discord we use to keep track of stuff. By the way, real quick, you said you were going to give a shout-out to that guy and you never said his name. Oh, I did, yeah. His name was Ted uh, on Twitter. It's at T-O, which is T-E-I-O-H. Um, he, this is pretty, this is a pretty good, um, a pretty good thing, a pretty good uh, breakdown, I think, of, of different problems we're having. Um, nice. but I can't find the same. Did you see that chart that, they, that some company put out, um, where it was like, here are things people are overspending on or whatever? No. Um, it's like, oh my God, dude, it is so ridiculous. The things they were trying to, ch- to tell us were, um, were, I mean, how can I put this? Like spending too much on certain things, like, it was saying we spent like $94 a month on ride shares or $205 on eating out or um, like like $72 on like uh, 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 what do you call it? like frivolous purchases and like a hundred and something dollars on loot on loot boxes what do you call those things uh loot crates is that what it's called yeah like monthly subscription boxes right and it was like, here are all the things you're spending too much money on. You're spending $18,000 a year extra than you should, you should be spending on all this stuff. And here's the thing. I've never taken a ride share in my life. I don't get any fucking loot crates or whatever. Um, I barely you know, eat out or go buy like, oh, coffee was one of the like $72 a month on coffee or whatever. And it's like, these are the things they think that are the problem. Is us spending money on? I mean, well, I mean, this stuff that really I'm not sure most people actually spend money on. Well, but also like, I mean, isn't the whole idea that that's us? That's the the free market. I mean, isn't that what that is? Because otherwise, like, wouldn't these? Isn't the whole idea that if people stop spending money, these companies would stop existing? Yeah, like, is is that what they're sponsoring here? So we should overthrow companies because so I'm cool with it. But I will I will comment on those numbers. I mean, I can't speak for myself because I, I, I spend my money in very dumb places. But, I mean, I do know people who, I mean, take lots of ride shares. Like, I know people who, you know, on the weekend, they, you know, maybe Uber like seven or eight times, depending on what they're doing, or use Lyft or whatever. And uh, eating out, yeah, I, know, I mean, a lot of people, like, if, if once you, like, if you live, like, I live in a more populated place, like, I li- you know, I live near uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, so when you live those places, you do eat out more, and I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure people spend that much money on eating out. The monthly subscription boxes, I have no idea. Maybe if they, maybe if they included, like, subscription services, like, you know, Netflix and Hulu in that, I could see maybe that's where some of that money is coming from, because people do all have that kind of, you know, I, I spend tons of money on entertainment and subscriptions to just a bunch of random shit um but yeah i can see how i mean maybe those numbers those numbers do sound a bit exaggerated but i can see where where those numbers are coming from okay but i actually found it seth here here's a list okay here we go drinks average cost a month okay let's start off with restaurant meals 209 dollars okay drinks 188 dollars like alcoholic beverages yes 
Okay. I have not had a beer since you were home. And we, what, what did that cost us? Like 20 bucks for that six pack? 20 bucks? No, it was like 50, it was like $12. Okay. I, I'm, I'm thinking of the bigger version. Never mind. But yeah. anyways, I don't drink much. So this obviously not applying to me. Um, takeout or delivery, $177 a month. Buying That's lunch, crazy. $173 a month. Does this not, is that not included in food? Nope. Impulse purchases, $108 a month. No idea what that means. Like, what, video games or something? I guess maybe that means, like, stuff that you didn't play. Like, maybe a video game that you weren't, like, already planning to buy months ahead of time. Like, you're like, oh, this is on sale. Fuck it, I'll buy it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so ride shares are $96 a month, which, as you said, could be more. That could be for- accurate. I can, I can see how some, I, I know some people who definitely take, even more than that, but I know it, that could be around around a, a okay number for some. Now here's where it gets really crazy, in my opinion. Personal grooming, ninety four dollars a month. Like, does it, I mean what what does that entail? Like haircuts? Uh, I think it's like it's like haircuts, deodorant, toothpaste, toothbrushes, all that kind of stuff. Oh my god, a toothbrush lasts me like three months. Toothpaste lasts me like fucking. It feels like a year. Deodorant lasts you a good month or so. Soap lasts... I mean, if you get, like, a body wash, it could last you two or three months. Shampoo's the same way. Who... How... Maybe maybe if I bought all of it at the same time in one month and got, like, a haircut, I could spend almost that much and probably still not even close. Yeah, I get um, one haircut every three months for $10 same. from the same man who's cut my hair since I was a toddler. Yeah. Uh, okay, so continuing on, subscription boxes, $93. I mean, I don't get those. Do you get those? No, I just don't understand why they're not including other subscriptions in this. Uh, cable is $90. I don't fucking, who, who the, what millennial fucking buys cable? I don't have cable. Do you have cable? No. No, I mean, of course not. Like, what what the fuck are you gonna do with cable? I have YouTube TV for when I want to watch basketball, but that's it. Now, here's a weirder category to me. Online shopping, $84. I feel like, by these this standards, that would be a much larger number. Yeah, it's like, why is that not folded into impulse purchases? Or, I mean, what is online shopping as distinct from regular shopping? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, gym classes or memberships, $72. No, first of all, if you have a gym membership, it's like... I mean, if you, if you go to, like, a regular-ass gym, like Planet Fitness, it's, like, 20 bucks a month at most. Back when I was back when I had a Planet Fitness, it was, like, $10 a month. Mm-hmm. So I don't know where the other 60 of that would come from. No clue, man. Uh, paid apps, $23 a month. Paid apps. I guess, oh, like, yeah. your WoW subscription? Maybe. Because the next category is TV or movie streaming services at $23 okay. a month. See, that for me, that number is almost like almost triple. Yeah, that's way lower than it should be. Yeah, I don't buy any fucking boxes. I just buy boxes of digital entertainment. Music streaming services, $22 a month. I pay for one. So, <laughs> don't know where that's coming from either. Coffee, $20 a month. I guess that, that's so funny because that's like way lower than most numbers say. 
most people are like, oh yeah, if, if people stopped going to Starbucks, they'd be millionaires. Yeah. Like, as if that's true. So I feel like 20 bucks is like so low. Because some people, I mean, the people who, like if, if somebody legitimately buys coffee every day, which some people do, I mean, it's like, if that's if that's your thing, I don't care. I mean, you spend 3 to $4 every morning. That's like, I mean, you know, that can easily be a hundred something dollars every month. So I don't, I have 20 is such a weirdly low number for this list. I mean, bottled water is $17.47 a month. I buy, at, at most in a month, I'll buy two cases of bottled water that are three fifty each. So I spend, at most, $7 a month on bottled water. I haven't drunk a bottle of bottled I, I get, I get when, I, when I worked this last weekend, when I worked the graduation ceremony, I got free bottles of water. And that's the last bottle of water I've had in oh, six months, maybe. Wow. Water comes out of the water comes out of the faucet for free. I'm not sure if folks know this. Well, it's not really free. Well, but it's not free, but it might as well be free. Um, it's yeah, free for us. We have a well, so. Yeah, I should move to using like that because so much plastic waste, and I, you know, the water I buy is from Nestle, and Nestle is like the fucking worst company in the fucking universe. Also, Dasani water tastes bad. People say that. I had a bottle of Dasani recently. I don't, I'm not one of those people. Like, I don't really notice the difference between most water, honestly. But I did have Dasani recently. And I see what people say. People say it's kind of greasy, mm-hmm. which I can kind of agree with. But overall, I'm like, whatever. It's fucking water. But Dasani definitely, like, if, if I had to get a bottle of water, I probably wouldn't go for Dasani. Maybe when it's cold, it's better. But I had it kind of lukewarm. Ooh, no, no, And no, it was no. just bad. Yeah, that's but, okay. like actually is a thick layer of grease. Okay, but, but putting aside all the concerns about whether or not these numbers are accurate or, or not, who cares? The problem is, you were telling people, that basically the advice here in the article, which, the, by the way, this, this data was written by a uh, an insurance company saying that you should, mm-hmm. you know, have insurance instead of all this stuff. Um, they're like, Which, by the way, we also have to have. Yeah, you can't, you know, you not don't. have it. You can't not have it. I mean, I spend oh, oh god, I spend so much money a month on insurance. And so it says here that uh, of course their advice is oh stop eating out f- and and stop you know ordering stuff online and live more frivolous or oh, sorry live more frugally right. But here's the thing: if you take this number, this obviously ludicrous average of eighteen thousand dollars a year on non-essentials, and you you extrapolate it out for every adult in America, do you know how much money that is? How much? It's two point seven trillion dollars. Oh my god! So you're telling people to stop spending, stop putting two point seven trillion dollars into the national economy every year? America would implode. Yeah. Like, like the economy would crash and burn if we if we started like actually saving our money and living you know frugally. It would destroy the economy because capitalism can't function if you're not spending money. By the way, is there a total for all those numbers on that page? Eighteen thousand dollars a year. Eighteen thousand a year. Mm-hmm. So if we were to do that into months, busting out the calculator. Yes, that's. That's fifteen hundred dollars a month. That's that's I, more money than I make. I do not have fifteen hundred extra dollars a month at all. I have very much less than that after I pay rent, student loan, car, car insurance, other insurance, you know, all all the fucking 
things have to pay just to stay alive and actually be able to stay in a place and live somewhere and get to work every day, I have nowhere near fifteen hundred dollars. So this 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 must be for people who are in a much different income bracket than me and you. Oh yeah, man. I mean, every month you know you know my my income is every month is about four it's about fourteen hundred dollars, a little bit over that. That's my income monthly. So I don't even make the money. They're saying he will spend on frivolous shit. Yeah. So this number, these numbers are obviously they're either completely made up or for people who are don't have to worry about money in the first place. Yeah, it's it's fucking stupid, dude. So yeah, fuck that fucking stupid ass list. Also, real quick, I just wanted to note this incredibly uh, amazing thing that happened last week. Um, we were talking about water and how it tastes and whatnot and the various mm-hmm. kinds. Um, did you see this about the network, the Netflix creative director and the water that he started? Oh, yeah. What was this? I, I read about this and I thought it was crazy. It's straight edge water. Straight edge water, yes. In tall boy cans. It's called Liquid Death. And its tagline is, nothing's better than water at murdering your thirst. Yes. They decided to make what is ostensibly like a, almost like a 30 Rock bit (laughs) into an actual thing. And it just has this like Iron Maiden looking skull on the side, like, like, like going up towards the sky or whatever. And it's just so dumb. It's made for this subset of people that I guess must exist who, when their friends are drinking alcohol and they're drinking water, they feel so fucking pitiful that they're like, you know what? Let me get me some fucking hard ass water. I want to fucking kill my, I want to fucking tie my thirst to a radiator, beat it with a rusty spoon, and then slit its throat with that spoon. That's what I want. Fuck a fucking bottle of water. Give me straight edge water. I be- By the way, straight edge water, you are allowed to use what I just did as one of your commercials. <laughs> you are allowed to use that audio bite as a commercial. I don't. I will never do an ad, but I had so much fun saying that. You can use it as long as I get all the proceeds from all of your products. <laughs> Liquid death, get at us. Yes, please. But yeah, that's just fucking ridiculous. I mean, I've, I don't, I'm not even like straight edge, but I have some days like I didn't want to drink. My friends all drank. I didn't mind drinking water or Mountain Dew or something. I just didn't care. I was like, okay, cool. Who, who is this for? Yeah, I've never felt insecure drinking water. Yeah. But um, speaking of companies shaming us for spending money on stuff, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about uh, Delta Airlines real quick. Oh, yeah. So Delta Airlines, I don't know where this was circulated, but they circulated a little sign or something, I guess, to their employees. It's a, it's a pamphlet. It's a pamphlet that says, Union dues cost around $700 a year. A new state-of-the-art video game system costs about the same. Basically, would, would you rather spend your money on union dues or would you rather have fun? It's amazing. And I don't even think we have to get in... To how fucking stupid this is. Yeah, somebody said that actually union dues are much cheaper than that, and if the union gets you literally any kind of raise, you can buy a game console with that money. Yeah. And people decided to make a rebuttal that says a guillotine only costs $1,200 to build. So, watch out, Delta Airlines. Uh, the, the bottom part, did you see what it says below that? No, I didn't. You should read the, the bottom bit there, underneath that. Yeah, I... My okay, here we go. 
Delta's CEO made $15.2 million last year. Get outside with your... With, with your buddies. Share some brews. Sounds like fun. Got it. This is very hard. This is a very fuzzy image I'm reading here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, it's like, he makes a lot of money, crack open some cold ones, and crack open some skulls. And the best part was that for a brief, glorious moment... Wait, that, one second, one uh, second. Um, Straight Edge Water, you are also allowed to use the phrase, uh, <laughs> crack open some cold ones, crack open some skulls. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, for for a, a brief, glorious moment, uh, the AFL-CIO retweeted that uh, guillotine image. Um, and then people were like, wait a minute, did the largest labor union in America literally just call for guillotines? And they were like, oh shit. And they deleted it because they're cowards. Yeah. Our bad. Um, oh, Should have kept it up. But yeah, this is it's, it's it's continuing on this this path that a lot of big companies are on of discouraging laborers from being in unions. Which is, you know historically a bad idea because the reason we have this thing called labor day and the reason that they're that workers have any protections at all is because a long time ago people were like you know what let's make unions to help each other and to collectively bargain for what we see is to you know to be good for the collective good of us of us all and now companies are trying to fight that for obvious reasons what's really funny to me is I once watched a video of Home Depot training stuff, and it was the anti-union part. It was this lady who was like, you know, she's all like soft and and, and warm, and she's like, uh, you know, Home Depot, we're a family here, and we all take care of each other, all our associates, the managers, we're all family, and we all look out for each other. And then it cuts to this like bald man in a turtleneck just standing over the camera. And he's like, the unions will kill you and your children. They will take your entire paycheck and they will send it to Al Qaeda. And you're just like, holy shit, man, the whiplash on this video. Damn. It's like they stitched it together, obviously, because I guess Home Depot had a unionization scare or something. That's not my tempo. <laughs> Oh, you man. said whiplash. I yeah, I did. I made mean, that mistake. So I said that's not whiplash. my tempo. I yeah, I got, I got it. I understood it. Trust me. That's what J.K. Simmons says in that movie. He he does say that. That's the thing he says. I think Whiplash is going to go down as one of the best movies of the of the two thousands. Do you? I think it's going to go down as like a top ten, top fifteen best film of the two thousands. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I, I, just, love, I, I love just, it. It's a good movie. I just want to interject that. I think that that's a really fucking good movie, and we, we kind of, um, we don't respect it as much as we should, but it's, it's going to go down as one, as one of the greats. So I'm just going to interject that in real quick to our leftist podcast, where we only, we never talk about movies. No. So, but yeah. Whiplash. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Also, um, go see Detective Pikachu. <laughs> I also did want to mention real quick another article sort of related to what we've been talking about, which is from uh, CNBC. Uh, dot com, and it's titled um, "62% of millennials say they're living paycheck to paycheck." Yeah, and goddamn, that ain't, if, that, if that is not true. Yeah, 62%. Um, for those who are doing math at home, that's well over half. Yeah, it's and I can't imagine the rest are doing much better. And it says right here that even even in this article, they acknowledge. 
this is not just a problem of pe- of kids, you know, millennials, by the way, which are now 20 or 35 years old or whatever, uh, spending too much money. It's literally, we are not getting paid enough. Yeah. And so, but even then they go and say, it's about finding balance, living within your means. And I'm like, fuck you, shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's like we, you know, I'm I'm all for, you know, may have, you know, oh, live within your means. But guess what? We don't have fucking means, okay? We don't have anything. It's hard. It's it's hard for people just to. It is hard for people to live within their like. What do they think they're doing? Like I don't, I don't understand. Like we people have a hard time paying for their rent. Is rent outside of our means all of a sudden? Is that not something we should be striving to pay for? Is our goddamn rent or our insurance? Yeah, they're, all the financial sites are like, your rent should be one-third of your income. Uh, what the fuck are you saying, one-third of my income? Yeah, let me see. Like, it's way more than one-third for most people. Yeah, let me do some quick math real quick. Let's see how much of my income. My this is great podcasting material right here. This This is, I know. So then, let's do... I'm just going to vamp here yeah. for a second. Yeah, mine's mine's well over a third of my income. <laughs> so it's like... Oh my god. Anyways, Seth, I would like to hear about uh, sort of like the wildest story I've seen this week. Let's talk about it together. Um, Mortal Kombat 11 and the psychological apparent toll it's been taking on the workers to make it. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a great time making Mortal Kombat 11. Um, some of the some of the people who work there, they get to do stuff like they watch hangings on YouTube and they look at pictures of murder victims and watch videos of cows being slaughtered. And it, you know, it's it seems like a really fun environment. <laughs> So yeah, what the fuck is up with this game? Why is it that Mortal Kombat 11 had to be the game where all this shit broke? What what is it about this studio? What is it NetherRealm? Mm-hmm. What is it about this studio? What is it about this development cycle that made this game such a fucking pain? From what I can tell, um, it's like they wanted to get the gore to be as good as possible in this, and, and the, the graphics are the best they've ever been. So they're like. We want the gore to look really good. And apparently this this is not new. Like, like watching violent and gory videos as research is not a new thing in in, um, in video games. I know a guy who worked on um, one of the Grand Theft Auto games who said that uh, he didn't even watch any gory or violent stuff. He was just responsible for, like, overseeing some animation work. And after a couple of months of working on, on uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto, he started having, like, violent dreams about running up behind people and bashing their skulls in and taking their cars, like, just from doing that, just from overseeing the animation work. Yeah, and that's, it's, that's, uh, interesting you mentioned that because that's what happens with the, I guess the lead, the developer who's being interviewed in this story, um, he even talks about how he has extremely graphic dreams that were very violent, and it would even make him stop wanting to go to sleep, so he'd just stay awake for days at a time, because his dreams were getting so violent and disturbing that sleep deprivation was better than rest for him. 
Good God, man. And the develop- this developer even had to go see a therapist who diagnosed him with PTSD. Jesus Christ. And it's like, this is a labor issue. This is this is a labor issue. Yeah, this is like, and this isn't something like, like with this game, this is a very specific issue of people having to watch all this violent stuff and have this PTSD. But we've talked about it before. We talked about it with Red Dead Redemption 2 to no end. And uh, what was there other, one other game we talked about this with? Um, Whatever. But it's it's becoming like we, like we talked about recently. It's like video, making video games. Maybe it shouldn't be easy, but it should be a fun job. Mm-hmm. It should be like people when kids, a lot of kids, especially who like probably who are developers now, when they were growing up, they're like, I want to make video games because video games are something that I think are fun, and I'm gonna put the work in. I'm gonna learn all the fucking math and all the fucking programming, all this shit that I have to learn because I want to make video games. And then imagine doing all that, loving video games your whole life, developing them, making them, and then getting your first big job. And then one of the first things you have to do is work 100-hour weeks and be just fed up. When it, just be fed up to anybody you want to or anybody that the higher-ups want you to. And you can also be laid off whenever because you're you're basically expendable and your, your skill set is something you can find anywhere. And you have to imagine just how, fu- how much that sucks. Like... It's awful because, like, obviously, like I said, video, making video games shouldn't be easy. Because I mean, making video games, like, I mean, I'm I'm a software developer and I could never make games because making games is just a whole other fucking level of development. And I understand that it's difficult, but it shouldn't be tasking, and it should be something that people like to do and some people want to do every day. Yeah, which is how most jobs should be, uh, in my opinion. And it seems like. The problem here, really, of course, the, we're talking about the labor issues of 100-hour work weeks. That's insane. That shouldn't happen for any job in the world. They've done studies. We have plenty of, of data which shows that after 30 hours, you start to see an efficiency drop. After 40 hours, people are basically wiped out, and they are just zombies working at their desks, right? Barely accomplishing anything with their time. Yeah, that's um, 100% true. But this is a whole other level of, you're, like, I don't believe that video games make people violent. I'm not that kind of person. I don't think that, like, playing a bloody video game makes a person more prone to commit violence. But, if you're watching videos of real-life violence and then trying to translate that to a screen, and this is going to take up years of your life doing that, you're going to have some kind of psychological effect. Maybe not turn you into a murderer, but get PTSD probably, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's not something that, you know, every job has. We talked we talk with this one time on the podcast was this, um, that group of people who, like, all work in that one enclosed arena or, like, area and have to talk or have to, like, moderate Facebook groups. Oh, God. And all the terrible shit they see and how a lot of them were like, yeah, we fucking, some people just go in the hallway and do heroin just to fucking stay stay alive because they can't fucking deal with this shitty ass job. And some people like, we almost only ever see each other because when we go home, like we're not even like, all we can think about is all the shit we had to see all day. And we like, it's just like a whole different fucking work environment there. And it's like, this is what this shit does to people. Like you can't. You can't take this much psychological stress and continue to be a functioning human. 
because as hey, we're we're living in the the heyday of mental health, and people are like, yeah, you should go see a therapist. You should go get stuff. You know, you should see if you got some shit going on up there. And that's all well and good. I think that's great. We should mental health mental health um, should be something we all strive for. But I think what we're ignoring here is that the root fucking cause is stuff like this and stuff that capitalism does to us. Yeah, man. It's 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 just like the things you're being subjected to to create a, a work of art. Um, it's just insane. Like. Because, I mean, they want this, like, realistic violence. They want things to, like, like look good. And, I mean, I've talked to people who work in video games, and they say that, like, the amount of work it takes to make a game look that good is absolutely fucking wild. Like, bonkers um, amounts of work. And then you got to add on top of that, that work the stress of having to look at incredibly violent and, you know, graphic images. And I can totally see how a person would start to, like... I don't know, just get really fucked up in the head. And, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Most of these companies are definitely not paying for insurance plans that have therapy in them, right? Yeah. Oh, no. Um, There are some companies who are, like, trying to move on this mental health wave. But, overall, the best you'll get is, like, a break. And, yeah. So, it's just, like... I don't know, man. It's it, they're, they're over here talking about all the things they have to watch, like blood splattering on the different things, different materials and fabrics, and how the blood like fans out over things. And I mean, I could definitely see how for a couple of months or years that would definitely start to fuck with your brain. Like, um, I it sounds it sounds like a deeply unpleasant place to work. Yeah, and I feel I mean I feel like we're just gonna see more and more of these um reports come out about game studios that are just awful and the more we're going to see people getting laid off and the more that it's just not going to reflect upstairs and it i don't know i don't know what to do because like you you get to a really weird point where i mean me and you partially were raised by like video games like we played them all the time and that was like our thing and now we have to kind of reconcile this that the making of games is i mean very anti mental health anti-human and very pro-capital and it's one of those things that's getting harder and harder to reconcile every day and i mean i think video games can be made ethically i think there's a way to do it in a way that doesn't cause harm to people psychologically and and physically and all that um like every job right like we, we can make every job more humane and more ethical to work at i mean if we if we destroyed the profit motive and, and did work for the betterment of the human you know, uh, species and not the betterment of a few select you know billionaires and millionaires, we could, we could make everything a little bit better. Um, so, I mean, I have no issue with a future where games just take longer to come out and probably have better worker protection so people don't you know, get burned out working 100-hour weeks and watching cows being slaughtered. Yeah, I agree with that right there because... Um, like I said, I'm, I've mentioned it before. I'm, I work in software as well. I do development, like a, like web development, and I mean, like once again, my game, my um, job is nowhere near as hard as a game developer. But like one of the things that even like makes my job very stressful is these like crazy deadlines you have to meet. Like te- like um, teams of any size just have to meet these crazy deadlines, and with games they're even crazier because like you don't even get like a margin of error with a video game. Like you like most big video games don't get delayed. 
Like you, nope. you only you only get a delay for a like a really big reason. And it's usually not even software related. It's usually like, you know, some higher up did some shit wrong or something. Um, but you don't you don't get those kinds of breaks. And it's, it's like I think with, like one thing that can make all software developer jobs better, which apparently everyone's gonna fucking be a software developer soon because that's apparently that's gonna be the only job left until they get rid of that too. Um, we're gonna have to de-stress some of these people because. Like meeting deadlines is just really hard. I don't. Know, I'm. I mean, it's just like it's, it's overly stressful for stuff that isn't even that big of a deal. I would have, like I said, I would have gladly waited two to three more years to play Red Dead Redemption Two if it meant that people were being treated fairly. That yeah. game was not make or break for my life. Nope. And no game really is, to be honest. It's, a, no. it's an entertainment product. Exactly. I, I will wait for every video game, every movie, every TV show if it means that the people who are making it are being treated fairly. Yeah, I saw this really incredible exchange where a woman who works at Riot tweeted about how she was going, she was supporting the people who did the walkout and she'd be there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some guy tweeted to her like, please keep politics out of my video games. Hmm. Please keep human well-being out of the things that I like. And it's like, they're not even talking about, like, you know, putting a, a political statement into League of Legends. They're talking about striking or, or walking out for their fucking rights as workers. Like, what? how is that bringing politics into video games? I don't understand this, this incredibly stupid concept. Yeah, I don't know. And it's, it's just, it's one of those things that got started with dumbass Gamergate. And is just gonna go on forever. Is that oh we don't want any kind of politics in our video games? Well, by by that, just by that idea, all video games should just be a a pixel on a screen, because <laughs> politics and personal views and opinions on shit are what drive every form of media. There's no there's nothing in this. There's no form of media that isn't politicized in some way or another. People are like, oh, back in the day, games didn't have political messages. And I'm like, yeah, they did. You just agreed with them. Yeah. Or you didn't think about it because it didn't matter to you. Like, like Deus Ex is probably one of the greatest games ever made and has a very leftist sort of, like, strain very. to it. But no one ever talked about it because no one cared back then. They were like, oh, whatever, words, just skip all this. Yeah. And now it's like they're, they, they're adults and they're like, wait, what's this saying? Exactly, and it's just like, and because, you know, the people who make games and people who make decisions are, you know, very slowly trying to add some diversity to their games and add some, you know, more um, more representation for women, more representation for minorities, people are like, oh, this is politics. And it's yeah. like, maybe you want to see it that way, but also maybe representing people shouldn't be considered a bad thing. Right, yeah. Like, I know that... I know these people who are saying this are all white men. And it's like, I'm sure you would love if every movie was Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. But (laughs) you have to admit that some people who are watching that movie are like, hey, where's the black guy? Where's where's the Hispanic woman? Where's Mm -hmm. the... Where's a person who isn't just like Alec Baldwin, you know? Yeah. Where is that in this fucking movie or this TV show or this video game or fucking book? Where is it? And you know why? Like having 
having strong female characters or even just fucking non-static female characters and minority characters that aren't just there to serve stereotypes that doesn't hurt anyone it only makes some it only makes people feel better so why does it make other people, why does it make these white guys feel so bad when it doesn't actually affect the quality or the content of their game I mean, and you know me, I do think that, that this whole thing, this this representation thing can be taken and turned into like a, a tool of corporate, you know, tokenization of people. Oh, of course. But here's the thing. Of all the things that I'm going to get annoyed by that capitalism creates, that's very low on the list of things that I give a shit about. Like, putting up a, a person of color or a woman or whatever into a video game, that's fine with me. Sure, it's probably just pandering, but... That's not my concern, really. I got a problem with how people who make the stuff are being treated by their managers. That's the real problem. The yeah. expression of the art is whatever. I'm, I'm fine with it. It doesn't bother me in the least. But it's the it's the means by which they are creating it that that bothers me. But that's not what they're talking. They're they're not worried about that. They they just don't want to see any any like, different in their products. Exactly, and yeah, it just it just goes to show it's um. People, like, more and more every day, they care about, I mean, I should say, they don't care about how people are being treated. Like, any, any one of these people who is tweeting about how, you know, Riot Games employees shouldn't fucking make polit- political statements or how Red Dead Redemption 2 is great and all the work that went into it was worth it. Like, you wouldn't want to work at these companies. If you were at one of these companies for a day, you'd be on the same fucking place as these people. Like you, I don't, I don't, it's just like these people just, they must have these cushy lives where they get to have these opinions. Yeah, it would kick your ass to work at Rockstar for a day. Yeah, it's not a fucking fun place. Like they, like once again, they make games and games are fun, but they're not fun places to work at. They haven't been for a very long time. Not really, no. And so it's just one of those things where, again, it all comes back to the fact that Workers don't have any say in how the work gets done, and that creates a, t- a, a toxic environment. Like, it creates an environment where people are forced, like you said, these, these crazy deadlines. Nobody ever asks the workers how long they think it'll take. They, we're, we're never asked to give our input on that on that front. No, no, no. It's the, somebody above us who doesn't actually do any work gets to decide that. Yeah, nobody ever asks me, like, they're like, oh, when would you like to play... What's a what's a big game that's coming out? Oh, uh, let's let's go with um, uh, Bloodlines Two. Vampire okay. Bloodlines. They're like, when would you like to play Bloodlines Two? And I'm like, oh, as soon as possible. And they're like, okay, here's how many meals our developers are gonna miss, and here's how many hours of family time and free insanity time they're gonna miss if you get it to play. If you get to play this day, I'd be like, okay, push it as far as you can. <laughs> like nobody ever asks me like get, they never give me a chart of oh here's how happy our developers will be by this with this deadline I'd put it at the happiest fucking I'd put it at fucking never <laughs> fucking dude that's why I think the, the the new thing where like people just put games that they're in development forever like Fortnite and League of Legends and all of that even though like we talked about how Riot Games is shitty mm-hmm. that's the best way to do it just develop a game forever and just keep giving me more shit, and I'll just take your fucking time making it. I don't care. If I'm playing two pixels on a screen for eight months, I'll do it. Well, it's like somebody, this is a Reddit comment that I saw at some point. Somebody said that, like, 
they said that the like grow. It was it was a debate about whether or not an economy has to always keep growing, and this guy's whole point was, uh, well, back when I was a kid, my parents didn't have. Uh, all the stuff we have now. They didn't have a McMansion and two cars and cell phones and computers and all this stuff. And he was like, the explosion of material uh, of consumer demands has driven the idea we need to have constant growth. And my thought was, did we really make that choice? Or was that choice made by someone else and then sold to us through like advertising? Yeah, it's I, I I don't know. People people do have weird skewed ideas of what the past and future are, were like and are going to be like. Yeah, it's just one of those things where I'm like I'm not, I'm I'm th- I think if you asked most people in the world um if they needed this thing and then told them the cost of what it would make to create it, I think most of them will probably say, "Hey, you know what?" I could wait, or we can we can we can make less. It's fine. And I don't know, man. It's one of those things where I think people have more empathy than we give them credit for. Yeah, I agree. I I'm all for waiting forever to play a video game. It's it's not make or break for me. Yeah, I already have a fucking library full of games I've never played. And the so. and the idea that we need constant growth and to constantly make new stuff and more stuff and bigger stuff and better stuff. It's like, I don't think most Americans want to have to buy a new iPhone every two years. If that. Yeah, which is why I haven't bought one in four years. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like people don't want... Like, planned obsolescence is a real motherfucker. But even besides that, like, I think people would appreciate it more if they didn't have to spend money on stuff constantly to get the newest thing. But... You know, if you look at advertising and, and how they, you know, influence people's, you know, uh, ways of thinking, it's like, oh, no, you got to have it now. Got to have the new thing. You got the FOMO or whatever. And it's just everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fucked up. Like the, and it's not even, it's like if, it's like if they were making things ethically, it wouldn't even matter. But one, the way fucking, the way fucking all these gadgets are made is completely unethical. Two, they make them to break within a year or two so that you have to buy the new one and spend another fucking thousand dollars of your fucking hard-earned money to um, to buy the new shit. And then they do the same thing to you again. And it's just a big cycle. And the, the people who are building these devices are being paid pennies an hour and have to, be, have, to have nets installed in their buildings so they don't fucking kill themselves. Do you remember the AirPods? No, what happened with the AirPods? The batteries in them? No. They only last for about a year or so. Um, they're designed to do this. And you can't open them up. It's just glued together. You can't open the AirPods up and replace them with a new battery. And you also can't throw them away because they are a lithium-ion battery and are very dangerous. They'll, they'll catch on a fire, basically, if exposed to too much heat, such as in a landfill. Damn. So they say you just got to keep them in a drawer somewhere forever, essentially. They're going to end up in landfills anyways and cause, you know, crazy chemical fires. But that's Apple doesn't give a shit about that. They want your money right now. That's true. Um, yeah, real quick, uh, I have two more things mm-hmm. I want to talk about. Of course. Let's do a check-in with uh, Joe Biden, currently crushing. You know what? 
I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him a break. I'm sure he's done nothing but good stuff in the past week. Let me hear it. All right. It says right here. This is this is a direct quote. Explaining why schools in Iowa perform better than those in Washington D.C., Biden told the Post, "There's less than one percent of the population of Iowa that is African American. There's probably Ouch. yeah. There's probably less than four or five percent that are minorities. What is it in Washington? So look, it goes back to what you start off with. What you're dealing with." When you hold on, get, hold save it, save your rage. Mm-hmm. When you have children coming from dysfunctional homes, where you have children coming from homes where there's no books, where the mother from time from the time they're born doesn't talk to them, as opposed to the mother in Iowa who's sitting out there and talks to them, the kid starts out with a 300 word larger vocabulary at age three. Half this education gap exists before the kid steps foot in the classroom. So let's just unpack this little bit right here from Uncle Joe. Um, so I don't know if he's getting the statistic of the whole 300-word bigger vocabulary from anywhere real. Mm-hmm. Or just he's making this up. I'm going to bargain he's making it up. Um, and what else do I say? So um, the, the first of all, the, the obviously the worst part of this is implying that let's not even say minority that black people don't talk to their kids and that that and that they are the reason they bring down education in a state yeah. is probably one of the most disgusting things I've ever heard somebody say. And that black people don't have books in their homes. That yeah, they don't have books. Uh, they don't know what books are. They don't know how to read. Mother doesn't talk to them or whatever, like you said. Yeah. Um. Like what is that? What is that stereotype that black people don't even talk to their kids? I have no idea, dude. Where does he get this old school ass racism from? Now the fun thing is, uh, I will say he said this in two thousand seven, and you're thinking to yourself, "Oh, that was that was twelve years ago." He was sixty four years old. Yeah. How many people change their opinions at the age of sixty four? Yeah, not very many. He's probably pretty set in his ways. Obviously. And let's not forget that uh, his first, that the real reason, sort of, that he he dropped out of the 2007 race was that he said that Barack Obama was the first quote the first mainstream African American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice looking guy. Wow. He also commented on the growing Indian American population in Delaware by saying, you cannot go into a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. Oh, I'm not joking. Uh, yes, you are. <laughs> uh, because that's insane. I would love, I would actually love if that was true. I would love if there was a sign that was like, unless you have a slight Indian accent, at the you have to at least have a sliver of an Indian accent. You're not getting in here, Biden. Sorry, buddy. What the fuck kind of logic is that? I live in fucking Charlotte, North Carolina. The Indian American population here is huge. And people don't give a fuck. Everyone speaks plain-ass English. Yes, people have accents because they're from a different fucking place. They don't care how you talk, though. Like, what is this weird idea he has? I promise you this man would not last a day in Charlotte, North Carolina. No. Like, it. what the fuck? That's just disgusting. And don't forget, he is currently beating Bernie by about 20 points in the polls. Is he, is he actually beating Bernie? By a huge number. My God. 
uh, America is a doomed country. Uh, buy guns. Uh, but the last thing I want to talk about before we go is yes. a, a truly sad... Well, I guess it isn't technically a law yet, but it's clearly designed to uh, go to the Supreme Court. And, of course, talking about uh, right here in our home state of Georgia, the heartbeat bill. Did you hear about this, Seth? Yeah, we, we talked about it a little bit last week. So, you know, six weeks is now the cutoff. Um, after six weeks, you can't you can't have an abortion. And if you do, it is, a, it is murder in the state of Georgia. Yeah, it's considered a felony. And if you and also here's a great thing, uh, if a woman miscarries, she can be liable for second degree murder, which is just, I mean, that that's right, that's that's smart. That's such and, a good thing to do. Something that somebody somebody literally cannot control is now going to be considered second degree murder. And if she travels out of Georgia to obtain an abortion in a different state. Uh, that's also going to be 10 years in prison. Yep, if you get caught, 10 years in prison. And you also, anyone who helps her can be charged as an accessory. Yep. And, but uh, here's the thing. They want to say that life begins at conception, or in this case, six weeks. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll accept that. Fine. You know why? Go ahead. Because if a, per- if, if a fetus, if a six-week-old fetus is a person... Well, buddy, guess what? Your body is private property. So just go ahead and uh, just go ahead and invoke castle doctrine on that little son of a bitch and get that that little uh, uh, trespasser out of there. That's true. That's actually a great point. Like there are so many things that that, that are uh, riders in this law that they didn't intend to happen. Like by the way, all those women in prison right now who are in Georgia who are pregnant—that's illegal because you are illegally imprisoning another human being inside that person in prison. Yep. So they got to get released because there's no there's no way around that. Um, yep. They didn't think about this. I'm surprised we don't just uh, enforce Bane law, where if, if you're uh, in prison and you are pregnant, your you, your kid has to live out a sentence. The Bane Act of 2023. Yeah, that'll be when I truly think we we have reached the pinnacle of society. So this is of course going to it's already been sued by like a million people. It's going to the Supreme Court. Like there are like eight yeah. other states that are like basically all these southern states are well, sorry, red states are trying to be the one that gets the landmark case that overturns Roe versus Wade. Um now that the Supreme Court is majority conservative, so we'll see how it goes. It'll it's gonna be some shit. Yeah, it's uh and I know a bunch of like we talked about how a bunch of like actors and production companies have said they won't um, film in Georgia now. I know while this isn't an uh, incredible stand, the uh, a show I'm not really into, The Walking Dead, which films in Georgia and probably can't stop doing that suddenly, um, has said that they're going to film in Georgia, but they're going to donate um, their profits to fight the heartbeat bill. Have you, so. speaking of really dumb answers to this thing, have you seen what Alyssa Milano is doing? I know, she, I know she said she won't film in Georgia anymore. What else is she doing? She has started what she calls the sex strike. Uh-huh. Which is she's saying women shouldn't have sex until this bill has been defeated. Okay. And it's just like, if you want to talk about useless-ass things you could be doing right now, that's probably, like, she don't fucking live here. She doesn't fucking come to Georgia. She doesn't know what it's like down here. 
so her rich white liberal ass is going to just propose some dumb sex strike as if that's going to fucking change anything. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, hey, it, if I'll say this, if it actually happened, it might be the most effective political move of all time. I think it worked in ancient Greece, right? There was a city where the women went on strike. They didn't have sex to stop a war. And so the men stopped fighting. They stopped having a war because they wanted to get laid again. Yes. I think it worked once in history. So we'll see how it goes again. Yeah. It, I mean, it. like I said, if, it, if you, everyone agrees to it, just like with anything in America, any kind of strike in America, it probably worked. Well, hey, you know what? Solidarity with Alyssa Milano. I'm not crossing the picket line. I will, I will be on the sex strike, my friends. Okay. Well, good to know. <laughs> Sorry, Different. ladies. Yep. I'm, I'm unavailable until... Listen, I'm like one of those guys <laughs> before they legalized gay marriage who was like telling his girlfriend, I, I don't want to get married until everyone can get married. Yes. I'm that dude, but I'm the, I'm, I'm the sex strike dude now. I'm like, I won't have yeah. sex. With people who are totally uninterested until uh, abortion is uh, legal uh, uh, still. Yeah. Uh, I want you to be able to get an abortion at an ATM. There we go. Now we're talking. Have a phone booth kind of situation next to it. Walk yeah. in there. That's one of the best quotes ever from uh, the show Veep, which actually ended last night. Oh, um, really? Rest in peace to that show. I haven't watched the final episode yet. But yeah, Selena Meyer said that uh, if men got pregnant, you could get an abortion at an ATM. <laughs> That's probably fucking true. Which is absolutely true. We have that big, horrible auto-dock tube thing for Prometheus just on every exactly. street corner. <laughs> At the very least, it would be considered a routine operation from insurance. Oh, yeah. It would be like getting a colonoscopy. No big deal. Yeah. Maybe less than that. Maybe just like a general checkup. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, Seth, you got any more topics you want to talk about? I'm dry. No, no voice to make me moist, so... <laughs> Alright, well, um, this has been another episode of the Millennials Podcast. Uh, I've been Smith. You can find me on Twitter at MCSurf. I'm Seth. You can find me on Twitter at Life of Seth. You can find our missing co-host who does our art, Marcus Barkley, on uh, Instagram at Mr. Beaches, which, by the way, is Mr. Dot Beaches, uh, in case anyone's looking for him. Yeah, don't look at the other Mr. Beaches. Oh, uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> wild. Bad place. Um, our theme song was done by Ben Powell. He's been on, epi- on episodes of this show before, uh, including our uh, any ba- basically any movie review we do, such as our uh, recent Avengers Endgame review, which is entirely too long for anyone to ever listen to. Um, but yeah, he has his own podcast called Southern Smackdown, where they talk about wrestling, and they're both from the South. So if that sounds interesting, go check him out. Um, all right, so you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him get under it. Fuck Kevin Durant. Tom Brady in the movie First Reformed. Um, we've stopped trying to solve our problems and are trying to outlive them. And from New Orleans to New York. That's the Podcast, baby. We're out. Out.